So Numbers 21, and we're, we're going to read from verses 4 to 9. From Mount Hor, they set out by the way to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the people became impatient on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water, and we loathe this worthless food. Then the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, so that many people of Israel died. And the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten, when he sees it, shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole. And if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. Uh, our second reading this morning is from the book of John. So if you turn over to John chapter 3, we're going to read verses 1 to 21. So if you've got a church Bible, that's page 1070. I'll wait till the flickering of pages stops and then I'll start reading. Lovely. So John chapter 3. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do, and this God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, 
because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his deeds have been carried out in God. Thanks, Chloe. Good morning, everyone. My name is Josh. Great to see you all this morning. Well, uh, when I was in about year nine, uh, I really wanted this girl, Jess, to accept me, to accept an invitation for a date, to accept an invitation to go out with me. And so let me tell you what happened. The week before this happened was uh, a friend of mine invited me to go on a kung fu lesson with him. And I'll tell you what I learned. I learned how to block punches. So I spent an hour learning that if you wave your hand in front of your face like this, when someone punches you, you can block it. And so for about an hour, they hit pool noodles at me and I had to try to block them. And I thought, this is a bit lame. But when I came back to school, I thought, I have now this amazing talent I can show. I'm a man who can protect and who's awesome and can do kung fu. And so at the bus bay after school, all my friends were around, kind of the whole school was around. I said, Jess, try to punch me in the face. (laughs) And she said, no, I said, no, no, it's okay. I can do kung fu now. Trust me. She said, okay. And so she went to punch me in the face and I got a little bit excited and kind of blocked her hand, but as I went, I kind of hit her across the back of the face accidentally in front of all of my friends, and I was very awkward, and she was awkward, and she kind of ran off to the bus, and I stood there in front of my friends, and uh, she never accepted any kind of invitation from me after that again. Uh, We've all had times, right, when we want to be accepted. Uh, Maybe at your workplace, you really want to fit in and be accepted by your co-workers. Uh, That's why I first started growing a beard, so I could look older and feel accepted by my co-workers. Maybe a little bit more seriously, you feel like it's hard to be accepted. Uh, You feel like if the world, if your family, if your friends, if they knew the real you, if they knew that thing about you, then they wouldn't accept you. And so you feel like you're never able to be totally real with the people around you. Uh, We all want to be accepted, don't we? Uh, sometimes the stakes of being accepted aren't that high. If one girl or one boy rejects you, doesn't accept you, it hurts, but you can move on. But sometimes the stakes are far, far higher, aren't they? If your family doesn't accept you, then it is deeply painful. Yet there's one person whose acceptance of you has the highest possible stakes, where the consequences don't just affect now, they last forever. Uh, The question we're looking at this morning is this, does God accept you? Does God accept you? What does God think of you? I don't know if you've ever thought about that before. One day we will all come face to face with God and he will either accept us or reject us. Will he accept you? When I was a teenager, someone asked me that question, will God accept you into his kingdom? God's kingdom is the perfect place God has set up for us to be with him forever. Uh, And this guy said to me, if you died tonight and you came face to face with this God, what do you think are the chances that he would accept you and let you into his kingdom? Now, I'd never really thought about that before, but uh, he gave me a piece of paper uh, with a line on it and it had 
zero at one end and 10 at the other. He said, I want you to write down a number between zero and 10 of what chance you think you have of God accepting you into his kingdom right now. I want you to have a go at it this morning as well. Uh, Have a think about it. I want everyone to do it. Get a pen. If you don't have a pen, get out your phone. Uh, This works much better if you write it down and not just pretend a number in your head. I want you to write down a number between zero and 10 of what chance you think you have of God accepting you into his kingdom right now. And I want you to think in the back of your mind as you do it, what's the reason for the number that you've given? I'm just going to give you a moment, a number between zero and 10, and have a think about what is the reason for why you wrote that number. <coughs> now, when Bernie asked me that question, I thought, well, I go to youth group. I know a bunch of the answers at youth group. I go to church. My, my parents took me to Sunday school when I was a little kid. I was a pretty good kid. I didn't get in heaps of trouble. I was pretty sure I hadn't done any of the big sins. Not that I really knew what they were. I thought there's some pretty good reasons why God should accept me. And so I gave myself a seven. What number did you write? And how do you feel about the number that you wrote? If you gave yourself a number that wasn't 10, does that scare you? That the end could come at any time and you are not sure where you'll spend eternity. Our life is kind of like a tiny dot on an infinitely long line in the scale of eternity. And if you don't know if God's going to accept you into his kingdom, that is terrifying, isn't it? And if you did give yourself a 10, are you sure? How do you know? If you were on your deathbed, would you be so confident that you wouldn't be scared of death? You'd welcome death because you know 10 out of 10 that you're going to heaven. That's a lot of confidence. Is God going to accept you into his kingdom? It's a big question, probably the biggest question, because all of us should want to be part of God's kingdom. You might be thinking, I don't really care. If God accepts me into his kingdom, what does it matter? Well, it matters because God's kingdom is so good and the alternative is so bad. If you take a bit of a proper look around the world, you'll see the world is far from perfect, right? There's war, there's natural disasters, incurable diseases, illness, poverty, addiction, suffering that we all kind of face. Our world is far broken, isn't it? Yet God wants it to end. He he set up a place where none of those things exist, his kingdom a place where we'll be face-to-face with God, where there'll be no more crying, suffering, cancer, poverty, where we'll be with all of God's people in the perfect place, face-to-face with God forever. It is so good. And the alternative is so bad. Eternal judgment, where death and suffering reigns, away from everything that makes God's kingdom so good. If the kingdom isn't the number one place you you want to be, you don't know how good it is. And you don't know how bad the alternative is. Well, this morning we're going to meet a guy called Nicodemus. And he thought that God accepted him. He thought that he was in with God and his kingdom. And yet by the time we get to the end of the passage, we realize that he's not. He thought he was going to heaven. And he finds out he's not. That is really scary. Because if Nick isn't in, how do I know if I'm in? How do I know if I'm a zero or a ten? How do I know if God will accept me into his kingdom? It's a big question. And the passage we're looking at this morning gives us the answer. So it's great that you've come to church this morning. John chapter 3 is all about how do we enter 
the kingdom of God? Will God accept us? And the answer is in two parts. So let's look at the first part of the story. Point one, you have to be born again. Have a look at verse one. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? So there's this guy, Nick. He's a Pharisee. He's kind of like a church or religious leader of the day. Basically, you can picture Andy. And if anyone could be part of God's kingdom, it'd be this guy, right? He's incredibly religious. He, he knew the Bible. He gave money to church. He did good things. He was better than you. Everyone knew that Nick was a good guy. If you asked Nick what number he would have written out of 10, he would have said 11. And then everyone else who knew him, they would have all said 12. Everyone knew Nick was going to be accepted by God into his kingdom. But did you see what Jesus said to him? Have a look at verse 3 again. Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus is the king of the kingdom, and so Jesus decides who is in God's kingdom and who's out. And Jesus says there's only one question that decides whether you are in or out. Are you born again? That is the only thing that matters. Um, what? You have to be born again, Jesus. Nick was probably thinking, hey, Jesus, you might have been asleep at that bit of school where they talk about where babies come from, or maybe you went to some kind of weird hippie art school, I don't know. But the thing is, once a baby's come out, it doesn't really go back in. That's one of the things, KJ, I think you'll find out. What is Jesus talking about? Well, he explains, verse 5, Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. See, Jesus is not talking about physical birth. He's talking about something else. He says to be born again means to be born of water and the Spirit. That's how you get accepted into God's kingdom. What does that mean? How does that clear anything up for us? Well, Jesus is quoting an old prophecy from the book of Ezekiel, and it's a prophecy that God makes about how God will make people acceptable to him. Uh, it's from Ezekiel chapter 36. I've got it up on the screen for you. I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you'll be clean. I'll cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I'll remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I'll put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Being born again means two things. It means you need to be washed and you need the Holy Spirit. First, it means you need to be washed. You need to have your sins washed away. Now, sin is a word you might have heard of before. Uh, when the Bible talks about sin, it says that sin is kind of essentially a wrong order problem. Sin is when we put ourselves first and we put God last, or really anywhere that's not first. See, God, he, he made the world, he made us, he's the ruler of the world, and so 
since God made it all, he is number one over everything. He's the boss. And he made us to be number two, under him ruling over everything else. The Bible tells us that sin is when we get that order wrong, when we make ourselves number one instead of God, and it wrecks our relationship with him. Like a child who decides they know better than their parents, you're wrong. I don't want anything to do with you. And it's something that we do all the time. We do it when we do what we want to do instead of what God wants us to do. We put ourselves first. We, we live our lives trying to figure out what's going to make us happy because I'm the most important person. We kind of live with no regard for God. We decide to drive over the speed limit because that's what I want to do. I, de- I decide what I want to do. Uh, we get angry at people because they transgress my priorities, which is bad because I'm the number one priority. We lie to avoid getting in trouble because we need to keep looking good because I need to keep myself in first place. We put ourselves first all the time, and that is sin. And this sin, the Bible says, makes us dirty, makes us filthy, which is a huge problem because God is completely clean and holy. And so, because of our dirty sin, we cannot be near the holy God. We cannot be part of his kingdom. Our sin actually means that that number that you wrote, you should have written zero. All of us have a zero out of ten chance when it comes to being accepted into God's kingdom on our own. We cannot be accepted into God's kingdom unless our sins are washed away. We need to be washed one of my white friends got married to a Chinese girl and he told me the story about meeting uh, his, her parents for the first time. Uh, he went to her parents' place and met them for the first time. There was something he had to do before he entered the house. Now, you might have this at your place, but he'd never done this before. Uh, he had to take off his shoes and wear special slippers. Uh, his feet were dirty and so he couldn't walk into her parents' place unless he was clean. And so he needed to wear the special slippers. That is a little bit like our sin when we come before God. We can't just rock up and walk into God's house dirty. See, if we can't walk into another person's house with dirt on our feet, how much less can we come before the God of the universe when our whole bodies are covered in filth from sin? We can't get rid of this dirt by changing our shoes. Even a high-pressure hose isn't going to get us off us. We need to spiritually be washed from head to toe. We need to become a brand new person who's completely clean. That's why you need to be born again. Because being born again washes away your sin. That's the first thing. Being born again washes us from our sin. But that's only half the story. Secondly, being born again means having the Holy Spirit give you a new heart. We need the Holy Spirit to live in us because he gives us a new heart. Heart. See, you know, I know a little bit about science. You know how your heart kind of pumps blood all around your body? Uh, The Bible says that our sinful heart pumps sin all around our body. Every single sin comes from our heart. Every thought, every word, every action comes from our sinful heart. And having a heart that pumps sin around our bodies means we can't be part of God's kingdom. Jesus says if you want to be accepted into the kingdom, you need to have your heart changed. You need a heart transplant. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. He gives you a new heart, a heart that wants to listen to and live for God. 
When God says you need to be born of water and spirit, he's talking about the two things that need to happen in order to be accepted by God into his kingdom. Things that are so significant that it's like you become a brand new person, born again. You need to have your sins washed away and the Holy Spirit give you a new heart. Jesus says, unless that happens, you cannot be accepted by God into his kingdom. Uh, who here? Who here likes Coke? We got, there's got to be more than three people who like Coke. What's wrong with you if you don't like Coke? This is the sweetest, best thing of black caffeinated goodness with kind of ten teaspoons. Actually, this one's a sugar-free one. How do they make it taste good with no sugar? I don't understand. I know you want this. Uh, who wants a drink of Coke right now? Yeah, I'm going to have a drink. This one's—it's not healthy, but it's, this one's sugar-free, so it's kind of healthy. It's so good. Mm. Now, um, tastes pretty good. Now, I brought along this. This is, um, in, in, at Bunnings, they call it worm castings, which is just worm poo. I bought a kilo of, how, I just think, how many worms do you have to have to get a kilo of worm poo? Like, it seems a bit ridiculous. But uh, here's some worm poo. I'm just going to put a little bit of this into the Coke, and I'm really hoping it doesn't fizz all the way over this stage. That's quite a lot. We'll just keep going. Okay, let's make sure we get that in there. Swirled around. Now, those four people who wanted a Coke, who still wants it? <laughs> There's usually someone who's disgusting. Um, nobody, right? The Coke, like, what's wrong with the Coke? It's got worm poo in it. The Coke is ruined. There's, there's nothing you can do to fix the Coke. If, if I pour a bit of it into this cup, I'm not going to do that because I need that for water later. If I pour a bit of it out and I drink the cup bit, does that help? No. The poo is in the can. The sin is in our hearts. Just getting rid of it or trying to do something doesn't help. Our sin has ruined us completely. It's ruined us for being able to come to God. With this can, you can't fix it. The only solution is you need a brand new one. You need to go back to the fridge and open a new can. We need to be made brand new people. We need to be born again. We can't just be fixed up a little bit. We need to have our sins completely washed away. We need God's Holy Spirit in us to change us and give us new hearts. Jesus says, unless you're born again, you cannot be accepted into the kingdom of God. And so the question is, how does that happen? How can you be born again? I, I want it, it sounds pretty good, but how? Well, that's Nick's question. Have a look at verse 9. How can these things be? What's going on? I don't understand. How do you do that? Did you see Jesus' answer? He answers by referring to a bit of a weird story in the Old Testament. Have a look at verse 14. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. What is he talking about? Well, Jesus is talking about an event in the Old Testament. It's a time where God's people are walking around in the desert and they come across a whole bunch of poisonous snakes. One of my absolute nightmares. Snakes everywhere. And anyone who gets bitten by one of these snakes was going to die. A desperate situation. God told Moses to get a pole, make a bronze snake and put it on top of the pole and lift it up in front of the people. And he said, if anyone gets bitten by a snake, look at the snake on that pole and you will live. And it worked. The people who believed the thing would save them, that God said, they lived. 
It was amazing, incredible. And Jesus brings this story up now to give us a clue about how to be born again. See, we too are in a desperate situation. We are dying in a place far away from God, just like Israel in the desert because of our sin. And Jesus says that the only way to live is to look to and believe in the thing that God says will save you. On that day, it was the stake that you needed to look to and believe in that would save you. Today, it is Jesus who was lifted up on a pole, on the cross, for our sins. Everyone who believes in Jesus will be born again. See, Jesus, the only person who never sinned, the only person who deserves to actually be accepted by God, he died. He experienced the punishment of God's rejection that we deserve. He was lifted up on that cross and killed to take the punishment that we deserve so that we might be accepted by God. He, he died to wash away our sin. He died to give us the Holy Spirit that we might be born again. It's incredible. Does anyone know what this picture is? It's our camera. Specifically, it's the... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's the camera app on your phone. Uh, what about this next one? <coughs> Anyone know what that is? It's voice memo, voice recording. Uh, what about this one? That's the note section on your phone. Uh, what about this last one? Anyone know what that is? It's not settings. Maybe mindfulness, not quite. Is someone's head, yeah, kind of, this is one that I'm actually kind of inventing. If you're an engineer, I would love your help with this. This is an app that records your thoughts. If you have that kind of technology, I would love your help with that. Uh, I want you to imagine that everything you've ever said that's been recorded, everything you've ever thought, everything you've done has been caught on the camera app and the voice memo app and kind of the thought thinking app on this phone, and it's been stored in the notes section of this phone just for everyone to read. It's seen exactly what you're like when you're at home, when no one's watching. It's seen how you treat your family. It's captured what you say when you're stuck in traffic. It's caught everything that you've done, that you've said, or that you thought. Who would you want to see this phone? Your husband, your wife, your mum, your dad, Andy. God has this phone. He knows us. He knows our sin. When God looks at this phone, do you think he sees someone who deserves to be accepted into his kingdom? Not if he's looking at mine. Not if he's looking at yours. But Jesus came to wipe this phone clean. Even the metadata is completely gone. Not just forgotten though, but dealt with properly, fully, completely. Jesus, the one who never sinned, says, Come, give me all your sin. Put it on me. I will take your sin and the punishment that goes along with it. You can have a fresh start. You can have your sins washed away and the Holy Spirit give you a new heart. You can have new birth. So when God looks at this phone, he doesn't see any of your sin. He sees Jesus has paid for it. Jesus says, You can have all of that if you believe me, if you trust me. If you want to be accepted by God into his kingdom, 
you have to believe in Jesus, entrust yourself to him. That's what that famous verse, John 3, 16, is all about. Have a look. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Jesus says there's only two options. Believe in him or not. If you do, you'll be born again so you can have eternal life accepted by God into his kingdom. If you don't, you stand condemned in your sin, cut off from God and his kingdom. I'm not sure where you're at this morning. Uh, you might have been going to church your whole life. Maybe this is your first time. But you know you've been living like Nick, thinking that you're good with God or you're, at least you're a 7 out of 10. But this morning you've realised that you need Jesus. You, you've realised that God has this phone and that means you cannot enter God's kingdom on your own. You're actually a 0 out of 10. You need to be born again. You need to have your sins washed away and the Holy Spirit give you a new heart. You need to believe in Jesus. If that's you, there's, there's a prayer you were given with your outline that you can pray at any time. They're not magic words, but they'll help you to talk to God, to say you're sorry for your sin, that you want to believe in Jesus, that you can enter God's kingdom, be acceptable to him. If you pray that prayer, you can have 10 out of 10 confidence God will accept you into his kingdom because you've been born again. It's incredible. You should do it. Don't leave this morning without doing it. Take it home. Read over the words. Maybe you're someone who already believes in Jesus. And if that's you, that's awesome. Rejoice and have confidence that you can have 10 out of 10 certainty. You are more privileged than anyone else on earth. Do you believe that? Or do you believe that so many other people have it better than you? Rejoice and have confidence in what you have. There will be times when you don't feel 10 out of 10 that God accepts you. You will feel weighed down by your sin You'll feel distant from God, unable to come to him. The thing is, you don't have to keep trying to come and make your way to him because he came to you. You've been washed. When God looks at you, he sees you as clean, your sins washed away. Not because you no longer sin, but because Jesus died for your sin. You are accepted by God right now and forever. 10 out of 10, 20 out of 10. How you feel will change, but how God sees you, the way he accepts you, will never change. Because he doesn't accept you on how well you're going or how terrible you're going. He accepts you because of his son. Just let that wash over you. Go back to your piece of paper and circle 10 out of 10, write an exclamation point next to 10 out of 10, let it sink in that that is really and truly true. How would you feel? Where, where would that weight on your shoulders go? What would you do if you knew for certain and forever that this was true? Am I drawn here? 
Is that me? Well, I'm still on here. Nah. Hello? Oh, we're back. We're back. All right. That was not good timing. I'll say that again, though. How would you feel? Where would that weight on your shoulders go? What would you do if you knew for certain and forever that that was true? Because it is. Rejoice and have deep confidence. But maybe that's not you. Maybe you're interested or not yet convinced of what Jesus says. If that's you, then it is fantastic that you're here this morning. You are in the right place. I want to urge you to come back next week, ask questions, find out more. Jesus says that he is the only way to be accepted by God, to experience heaven and not hell. It's worth finding out if he's right. Because for you, the only number you can write is zero. But Jesus is waiting with open arms for anyone to come to him, to believe, to be born again, to be accepted and part of his kingdom. Come to him. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your son. Thank you for showing us the truth of who we really are, that we are people who put ourselves first, that we are people who are on our own, no chance of being accepted by you. We're zero out of ten, minus a hundred out of ten. And yet you, out of your great love, took the initiative to do everything for us, send your son to die for us, that we might have our sins washed away, that we might have a new heart by your spirit, that you would make us acceptable to you, that we are so deeply loved by you, that by trusting in Jesus, we can have everything and have a deep and certain and unshakable confidence. Please help us to know it deeply. Please help us to trust your son. We thank you and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.